Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. All right, welcome back to Cashflow Legends. Nate and Brock, hope you guys are doing fantastic. So we're recording right after Christmas. Uh, Nate has four kiddos in his house. I've got four in mine. Brock has brothers that I know you are out of the traditional Christmas time of like getting super stoked and waking everybody up early, I would assume. But I hope you guys are coming off of an awesome Christmas where you had a great, uh, great time with family. If you're like me, there's always a little bit of a lingering in a good way of maybe a Christmas event here or there after Christmas time, depending on where family is. So uh, really excited today to hopefully keep the Christmas cheer with our topic because our topic could be a little edgy. Um, I think I can speak for all of us by starting into this episode with this. Nate, Brock, and myself have no hesitation whatsoever to say that we are saved by the grace of God and him sending his son, Jesus, and that we are proud to say that. Uh, we just happen to also get to speak and teach and learn about money as a big part of what we do daily. But if you do any type of digging, if you do any of your own research, if you search the interwebs, look at YouTube, look at TikTok, you're going to get a lot of differing opinions on wealth, money, faith, your relationship with God, and how all those things can, should, shouldn't intertwine. So for those of you who don't know, I'm going to remind you that Nate has a background in ministry. He was a youth minister for 10 plus years, and he also pastored a church for several years. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing all of our perspectives from our own walks of life. Uh, and I'm going to ask some pointed questions today, guys. So uh, I hope you're ready. And my goal is to keep the excitement of what Christmas is really about while also talking about something that can be very delicate in many people's eyes. So you guys ready to roll? Let's go. Ready to roll. All right. So when I say faith and wealth, can't go together. Nate, what's your immediate thought? Um, prove it. Yeah, that's that would be my first thing. It's like, how can you prove something like that? Um, you know, how can you prove that statement? The, the thing about it is like, our individual faith is built upon the very first word in that statement, individual and we all have a very unique relationship with God. Every one of us is completely different in how we view, how we interact, um, you know, all those different things. So to make a blanket statement like that, and we, we hear that a lot that, you know, you can't have money and, and worship the Lord and you, know, uh, you can't uh, serve him wholeheartedly if you've got money, all these different things. Um, those things are thrown around a lot. And, and it's why, um, uh, there's really among the, among the Christian church, I believe that's why there's a lot of poverty is because people, uh, have a tendency to, um, almost latch onto that and like, um, almost in the sense of like being a martyr for, for that cause, so to speak. Um, 
but but I don't believe that's true. I believe that you can have a very healthy relationship with the Lord um, and still have money. All right, Brock, I'm going to segue from that with a question that's similar. What do you believe and or what do you see as it's kind of separate questions? The Christian views of wealth as a blessing or a potential hindrance spiritually. How do you kind of process that? How do personally, how do I process it is I have seen that when uh, money is calculated in the equation of life, it only amplifies who you really are. And oftentimes, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's three camps really. There's the, Christians who believe that, you know, poverty is the way and we should not have any wealth. And then there's the people that are like <laughs> prosperity gospel where they're like, hey, I see that jet. I'm going to get that jet and the Lord's going to give me that jet. <laughs> I feel like there's this camp in the middle that's becoming more. Um, I don't want to use the word popular, but that's all that's come to mind right now of the fact that, you know, we are being given gifts in our life. And one of those may be um, wealth. And our job is to be the best steward that we could possibly be of what God's given us and use those tools to further his kingdom um, in the best way that we can. And I think that when our mindset is first on how we grow God's kingdom and how we um, chase after him, then the rest of the things will follow behind. Okay. So I really like that take. I like the three camps, Nate. I really like your point of prove it to me through the individuality of my personal unique relationship with my Lord and savior. Um, you know, I think we all three would agree. And you guys step in. If I say anything, you do not agree with that. The Lord gave us his word as a guide and it's all true or none of it's true. Now it's our job to continue to be sure we're interpreting it in the way he means it for our walk. And we have the Holy spirit to do that. And all those moving pieces that is a whole nother podcast discussion for probably a different podcast. But here's something that fascinates me. And I'm going to go to the Bible directly. Do not a loaded question. Do either one of you guys know how many times the concept of money the word money, wealth, silver, gold is discussed. How many verses approximately in the Bible? Thousands. It's a lot. I wish I could remember. I, I used to know the exact number, but so um, it's, a, it's a lot. If Google's correct, okay, and you know, don't believe everything you read on the internet, do your own research, okay. If it's correct, it basically says the word money is about 140 times, but verses related to wealth, gold, silver, anything that translated to wealth or money in that time is over 2,300. Okay. Now, I believe deeply that the Lord gave us his word, the Bible, as a living document to relate to wherever any of us are in whatever century we're in. Okay. And money has always been in some way, shape or form 
a con something that flowed through everybody's life, whether it was wealth related to livestock or land or silver or gold, it's always there. So here's really the question from a biblical perspective. We've got the, for the love of money is the root of all evil. We've got the, you know, you can't fit a camel through the eye of a needle. You've got all these verses that people like to latch onto. You've got the parable of, uh, you know, being a good steward with, um, you know, the one you referenced earlier, uh, Brock, you've got all those things, but give me some interpretation from your own experiences and your own time with the Lord and reading the word that really helps you stay on the path of a path that you're okay with, with your walk with the Lord and wealth and growth and sharing and giving or becoming um, selfish or any of those things in between. I think, you know, Brock mentioned earlier uh, the word stewardship and, and that's what I think about a lot. And you really, when you think about the word wealth, wealth in and of itself, there's not an issue with that word where it becomes a problem. And we can see this throughout our entire world is when greed is attached to wealth. That's when it becomes a problem because greed is basically the, the act of pushing everyone down to elevate yourself. That's really what it boils down to. And, and that's where the lying and the cheating and the stealing and all those things come in is when greed sets in. Um, so me personally, if, if I can, um, be honest with the Lord and, um, allow him to kind of peel back the layers and the layers and make sure that greed is not a part of why I am doing what I'm doing and that my priorities remain in the right order. Um, then I, I can sleep very well at night. I don't, I don't have to go to bed feeling like a terrible person or anything like that. And one of the things that I've said so often is what gives me a lot of peace of mind about what we do and what we teach is that if, if someone listens and does what we tell them to do with how they're operating with their money, then they're going to win. Um, it's not a question of if they're going to win, they're going to win. Um, so I don't have to worry about laying down at night and thinking about, man, if I hope, I hope they didn't lose their money investing in this or that or whatever. Um, but it really goes back to this idea that we have the ability to be excellent stewards of whatever we've been given. And that stewardship, I believe requires being efficient as efficient as possible as you can be with the money that's flowing through your life and hold on to those things or when i hold on to those things it's very easy for me to to live and and love the lord all right so we hear this word a lot here you know lately in the world we live in the prosperity gospel or prosperity teaching so, Brock, when you hear that, I don't know if you're like me, I cringe because it immediately brings me to the forefront of what do I really believe, which is good. OK, we should be uncomfortable 
and be challenged. Okay. And being in a profession that we love doing, like Nate just alluded to, that revolves around creating potential prosperity in people's life. Okay. What jumps to your mind when you think of prosperity and you think of traditional views? And you kind of alluded to it in the three camps, but you know, maybe do some contrast of both sides of it and how how you've walked through that so far in your uh, younger age than Nate and I. Yeah. When it comes to the prosperity gospel, just like you, I kind of cringe. Um, I get turned off very quickly because I'm the whole name it and claim it type stuff really pushes me off. Like there is a, um, there is a healthy relationship that you can have with saying, Hey, this is where I want to go. These are my goals. These are my targets because this is where I am striving for and trying to be a good steward of the things that I am given. And then there's the difference of, Hey, I'm going to get the jet and Lord's going to give me the jet. Right. But then there's kind of the other side of things where I saw this the other day where it's like people were saying, you don't need a three year, five year goal. You don't need to have those visions of your life. You don't need to know where you're at going to be there. And I think that, okay, there could be some merit in that because we need to be present in the moment in which we're in. But like we talked about last time, if, if there's no set destination of where you're going, no wind is favorable. Mm-hmm. And, we ought to be striving and trying to get better rather than, you know, just sitting around, you know, doing whatever. I think that we should be doing the best that we can with the things that we've been given today, but also looking forward to say, Hey, here's where I want to go. Here's why I'm trying to be the best that I can be because I'd like to get here. But realizing in the meantime, we're being the best stewards that we can be. Really good. Hey, I, um, I gotta, I gotta add this to it. So, um, you know, the prosperity gospel is built around health, and the simple idea behind it is that if you don't have what you want, it's because you lack faith in your life. If you don't have the money that you want, it's because your lack of faith. If you don't have the health that you want, it's because your lack of faith. And I remember a very specific example of a faith healer that was on a stage speaking to a bunch of people about how, you know, if they weren't in best in their best uh, possible health situation or whatever is because their lack of faith as they were putting on their glasses to read something. And in the moment I was just like, if that, if everything they're saying is true, that means in that moment, their lack of faith, means their eyes have not been healed because you know we all well most of us have some sort of corrective vision of some kind contacts glasses whatever um brandon you wear contacts don't you i don't no you're not okay so i wear contacts brock wears glasses um so most of us have corrective vision but it's not because of our lack of faith that our eyes are not where they need to be and so when you really just peel back the layers and um, it reminds me of, of Nelson and when he talked about logic and, and how important logic is. Um, so when you peel back those layers and you just look at the logic of the prosperity gospel, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't support itself. 
That's good. So I'm going to make a connection here that may seem out there, but I'll try to bring it back in. One of the greatest books I read early on in my entrepreneurial journey was written by a uh, general, General McChristy. Okay. And um, it's basically how all of the different bodies of government got together to execute uh, the the capturing and uh, killing of, I believe, bin Laden. And the point it made was, uh, I really took away this from the Navy SEALs piece of that group, is that they understand always that they embrace the skill set they were given. They refine the skill set they are given, being around other high-level accountability men and women like them. They devise the best plan they possibly can with the knowledge they have. They execute it. They adjust on the fly when things that were not in the plan uh, come up, because obviously in war, I'm sure that always is the case. And then when they get back, they regroup, they evaluate, they learn from it, and then they rinse and repeat and do it again. So how does that title prosperity and wealth and our walk with the Lord and all that? Well, the Lord gives us his word. The Holy Spirit, assuming we have a relationship with Jesus Christ through our, to our Father, and He gives us experiences, okay, that are going on around us. And the truth of the matter is, as Nate alluded to at the very beginning, we are called to be obedient to God's will. That is my understanding. I think we would all agree with that. But the only way that we can understand what obedience is is to be looking for in our day-to-day interactions, in our walk with the Lord, in our reading of the Bible, in our prayer time, in our time with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can really understand in our human sinful body that we will always fight until we are eternally healed is is to take those experiences and go, what did I learn from this? How can I apply it better? So like Brock alluded to earlier, you know, it is going to magnify who you are or who you are not. So, I'm fascinated by this piece in regard to generosity and giving. So let me read a few a few verses, okay? So if we say that if one camp says you need to basically take an oath of poverty, I'm going to ask this question. Does the Bible talk about creating wealth by our work ethic? Absolutely. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and worse and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay. What does it take typically through all walks of life for the last hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to provide for your family? Money. Now, could you make too much and then become a drug addict or a gambling addict or blah, 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 blah? Yeah. You can be those things without money. So it goes back to Nate's great point earlier on. It's really the condition of our heart. So we watched a clip by a very well-known pastor that, and I, and I agree with what he said. I think we all do. Becoming rich almost always is a curse rather than a blessing. Now I can get behind that statement under the guise of when we have a ton of wealth, riches, we can kind of go into that understanding of what Solomon taught us when he had everything. At the end of the day, paraphrased here, love love others and love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
That's all that matters. Everything else is a mist. So I think what we're really always thinking through in regard to creating wealth and abundance and efficiency with our money is the relationship we have with the Lord, that individual relationship to where is our heart and how we're going to do, how we're going to utilize any blessings the Lord has given us because of our skill set. Because I believe, here's another one, Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the sluggard kills him or his hands refuse to labor. Okay, now, I don't think it's a stretch that if someone can learn how to labor and make their dollars work more efficiently for them so that they can provide more for their family, I don't think that's a bad thing in the general sense. Okay. All right. So let's, let's try to parlay segue that into generosity and giving. All right. Discuss the role of tithing. That's a big conversation and topic. Nate, I'm going to go to you first as when you were going through all your training and you've been around pastors and all of these things, what's the most impactful thing you've learned in regard to tithing, giving, generosity, you know, fundamentally, you know, what, what does that mean to you? Um, the thing that's worked best for me and, and the thing that I've had the most success with personally is focusing on the first fruits. Um, here's what I mean by that. So when my wife and I got married early on in our marriage, we would get paid and we would go, all right, this much money in the checking account needs to go to the church. Both agree on that. And then Sunday would come around. And both of us would forget to write the check. And then we're like, oh, no, we'll just have to do it next Sunday. Well, something would come up throughout the week. And then all of a sudden, like, now you're, like, really feeling the squeeze on on that. And there would be times where, like, just full transparency, there would be times where, like, it was almost like, all right, all right, Lord, uh, let me get paid next week and double up. You know, <laughs> now now I got an IOU. You know, now I'm cr- creating this this uh, guilt debt is really what it what it was. Um, so at some point early on, recognizing this, I just decided, you know what, I, I know checks are easier to keep up with and everything like that, but when money hits our bank account, I'm just gonna pull the cash out right up front and that way we don't have to worry about it. So that's how we've been operating for probably the last 15 years or something like that. Um, so for anybody who, it, who is struggling with tithing and giving to the, I would just encourage you focus on the first fruits. All right. I'm going to add one little angle to that in my own personal journey. I completely agree with Nate. There's a saying that I use all the time. I don't know. I, I need to be sure that it's something I originated because I want to really start putting it on t-shirts and stuff. It's all his anyways. It, the ability we've been given, how well we use it for his kingdom or we, you know, all these things. He's given us individual uniqueness in his image, which is pretty cool if you think about it. I mean, it's really for amazing sure. that we're in his image. Okay. So when you when you said that, I'm gonna throw this in there. Lecrae, uh, who's a Christian hip hop artist, he's got a line in one of his songs that everything I own is just a temporary loan. 
which I've always thought ever since I heard that line, I was like, man, I just uh, held on to that for a long time. So for anybody listening, I, I want this to be very clear watching. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you don't know who God is, you know, many people will tell you that going to the Bible and how solid it is as a historical document compared to other documents that have been around. Uh, Some of the most successful people I know that are non-believers use the Bible still. Okay, so separate, you know, if you need to separate it, I hope you don't. But if you in your mind, it has a ton of go read Proverbs for a year straight. It'll blow your mind. Okay, because it's relevant for anything we do in life. So if it's all his anyway, the gifts he's given us, what we're really talking about that I'm reminded of, and it's becoming maybe my group of verses for 2024 is James 4, 13 through 17. And I'm going to paraphrase the Brandon International Version. Go look it up and read it. It basically just says, why would we ever say we're going to go do such and such and so and so and make this money and do that without saying first and always and foremost, if it's the Lord's will, yada, yada, yada. How arrogant of us. Now, let me tell you from my own walk, every time that I think and plan with the Lord's will on the backside of the planning, there's almost always a lesson that I learned that I don't enjoy learning that I needed to learn. Instead of making it a part of my daily practical, almost genetic makeup of Lord, give me clarity on that. This is what we need to do, why we needed to be doing it, how we need to be doing it. And if it is your will, let us do it in a way that shares you and glorifies you and be good stewards of whatever it is that comes from it. Good, bad or ugly. Let it glorify your kingdom. That is a much different mindset than I'm the wealthiest person on the world. I'm richer than you. I have more money than you. Let me show you what I can do with my money. Okay, so. I think anytime we get off path as Christians, it's, a, it's because we want to be or we're choosing to be. And because sin doesn't just walk up to you and go, hey, let me put this sin over your neck and weigh you down. But it's a process that can get very ugly and cumbersome over the long range. We won't go into detail on how I know that, but I do. Okay. So we do something a little different. Now that we understand money and efficiency, and this is just what my wife and I are at peace with. We've always agreed that we're going to give 10% at minimum. And when I began to learn about infinite banking and whole life policies and how they work, and I believe being a good steward of the flow of money, we have uh, whole life policies that we use just for tithing and giving that we started five years ago that now create more than a dollar every time we put a dollar in them because of our behavior. And we've always tied the 10%, but it has allowed us to tithe more. The next step that I plan to do is become the insured on a policy, but I get into too much detail, to where the church that we are attending becomes the beneficiary of my death, good Lord willing, a long ways from now. Okay. Now, that is something I'm at peace with. I've had that conversation with other believers where they take the approach that Nate says. First fruits immediately, always, no questions asked. I'm like, hey, that's between you and the Lord. That's where you got to be at peace. So, Brock, is there anything that you want to really tie in or add 
from all the conversation so far or summarize that uh, may give listeners a different perspective uh, from your walk? No, I think that um, just a resounding theme within my life is to be the greatest stewards that you could be. Um, And when you go into poverty, that's not one of them. But when you go too much and you indulge yourself, that's also not there because in Proverbs, it talks about um, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and poverty will come upon you like a, it's like a thief or a robber. And then um, it also talks about you know the fact that what you alluded to earlier is like when you overindulge in drinks and food and all this stuff, which it talks about a ton in Proverbs, it's going to wear you down and it's not going to be where you want it to be. But then you look at the parables of the people with the talents. And if you were to translate one talent into money, I want to say it's over a million dollars. Well, at the end of the story, what happened? Well, the the guy who was given the most and multiplied it the most was given the talents of the man who just buried it and did nothing with it. And so to me, we've been called to be the best stewards that we can be and further God's kingdom because whether it's giving money or sharing what we've learned through the wealth that we've been gifted, a lot can happen. That's good. Nate, correct me if I'm wrong from all the things that you've uh, learned and, you know, in your background in uh, ministry. Um, is there ever any way that anyone other than the individual could know for sure that someone else has a personal relationship with Jesus concretely? I know first John talks about how you can test, you know, evaluate that for believers by our actions but is the personal relationship so personal that no one else truly knows deep down besides that person and the Lord? Is that, would that be fair to say or my altar? I mean, Jesus said, you will, you will know the ones that are mine by the way they love one another. Um, and also, uh, Jane talks a ton about the fruits of our faith and what yep. that looks like. So, there's going to be evidence that we can look at. Um, and, and at the end of the day, there's no way for us to know, like there's no way for me to know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with the Lord. There's just no way for me to know that. But when I look at your lives and I see your fruits and I see your love for others and everything like that, that gives me a lot of confidence that I'm connected to the right people. Um, And until you do anything outside of that, that would give me cause for concern, then I'm going to continue to believe that you are my brother in Christ. That's good. And the reason I ask that question is to make the point of, everyone has the opportunity to go on their own journey to determine what they believe. That's the beauty of what we believe is, you know, our relationship with the Lord is that, you know, we have the free will to make those decisions and how we uh, live our life and the ability to know how to uh, evaluate those and, 
you know, decisions we make and where we go wrong and how that process works. So same thing with money. You know, if something doesn't feel right with how people are handling money or how you're handling money, then I would, I would encourage you to lean into that. Okay. If you're wealthy and you're not fulfilled beyond just the next nicest thing you can buy, that's a temporary, uh, satisfaction type thing, or you're not wealthy and you're like, I, I'm struggling to even make ends meet. And that doesn't feel right either. I think this is where that personal relationship comes in. If you, if you do have a relationship with the Lord and if you don't evaluating how you can think through that. So guys, been a lot of really good conversation today. Uh, our intention, I think, and our hope was is just to have an open-minded conversation. Obviously we don't shy away from our walk with the Lord, but we also know there was a time where we didn't know the Lord and, Thank goodness somebody continued to share the truth in our eyes to give us the opportunity to know the Lord. So ultimately money is a piece, a material, a non-tangible thing that flows through our life. And we get to really work through how that can impact the things that matter to us the most one way or the other. And that's that personal piece again, which is why we love what we get to do. Because every day we talk to somebody about anything it's never the exact same thing with how they want their money to do things in their life that matter to them the most. And I think that's the key piece here. All right, guys, uh, hit those likes, subscribe, send us an email, cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. We'd love to connect with you, uh, teach you as much as you want to learn, and uh, just share why we think we have the best job in the world. You have a great one.